Amen. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Good to see y'all today. Let's stand together. All you in the middle, y'all just stand up whenever you get ready, all right? Amen. Is there a holiday today I forgot about? I <laughs> hey, love y'all. Let's sing out and worship today and have a good time. Got some good stuff going on, all right? Sing it out. Each one of us. Amen. 
Let's sing that chorus one more time, okay? It's your breath in our lungs. Sing it out, y'all. It's your breath. Sing it today. Come on. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for this day. God, just been a good time already, Father. I thank you for these here as we join together in worship. We're joined together to lift you up above all things, God. Thank you for this time together, God. Be with us now as we continue to worship your holy name. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not my failures I tried to hide it was my tomb till I called you come on church you called my name Darkness into your glorious. 
Jesus did a lot of miracles. There's a lot of like, signs and wonders, but the greatest miracle he ever performed was calling us up out of that grave, out of sin, out of darkness, and up into his glorious day. Amen. We are so glad that you're here with us today at Airline Baptist Church. Whether you're a first-time guest or it's your first time here in a long time or you just come back week to week, we're excited that you're here. And if you are a first-time guest, you can. we've got a gift for you in the very, very back corner back there after church. You can go meet with Pastor Mike and his wife, and we've got a gift just to give you for your appreciation and, and thanking you for being here with us. Listen, really quick, I want everybody I know, you know what I'm going to say. If you've been here, you know. I want everybody to pull your phone out. Pull your cell phone out. This is our new, well, it's not new at this point. We've been doing this for like a month. So this, well, this is our check-in service. This, the number you're going you're gonna to dial is going to be on the screen up there. You're going to text ALBC Connect to 77411. ALBC Connect to 77411. Text that. Follow the prompts. Whether you've done it before, it'll be a different prompt if this is your first time doing this. Just give us a record of everyone who is here. And while you're doing that, I want to draw your attention really quick to these boxes up here, we are in the midst of our Christmas project. It's happening soon. Um, we're running, I think the plan still is to, to leave kind of on the 29th, so we need these boxes back before the 29th. We've got a good job. Folks are already returning the boxes. Of course, don't forget to bring $5 whenever you bring your box. And we've still got a few left. By my count, we've got, let's see, four, four empty boxes that still need to be taken. We've got a female, a 16, 18. We got all females, all four females. Who need a box and then one box out of lid. So I gotta figure out whose box this is. But yeah, so so four, just let's get those four filled, brought back, of course, with five dollars. You can give me the five dollars, you can put it with your box, you can drop it with the in the offering plate, whatever you want to do. That just helps us uh, with the the taking of the boxes there. So the list of what you need are beside them. Let's just keep worshiping, guys. We're glad you're here. Let's just let's just keep worshiping. Dear God, we 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 thank you, Father. We we, we, we thank you for allowing us into your presence today as we worship you. As we worship you as the one who called us out, who called us by name and said, get up, come to me. Salvation is waiting. We're, we're, we're thankful for that, Father, because we couldn't save ourselves. Only you are capable of saving 
And that's why we're here today, is to give you glory, to give you honor, and to, to make your name known throughout the nations. Let us never forget that. Let your spirit of worship continue to permeate this place as we lift you up. And it's your name we pray. Amen. And together again and just continue worship, all right? Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made come in. And my life began. was redeemed only beauty remained and my orphan heart was given a name was good. my morning grew quiet my feet rose to dance when death was arrested and my life began Chains, I'm a prisoner no more. That's good. My shame is a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When that was arrested in my rejoiced as though heaven had lost but then Jesus rose without freedom in hand that's when death was arrested and my life began sing it again that's when death was arrested and my
Amen. Thank you, Father. Brother Mike. Aren't you thankful that death was arrested and when you trusted Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life, you were born again and been made new, old things passed away, and all things become new. Can somebody please say amen to that this morning? Amen. The reality of a transformed life in Jesus. Well, it's great to see you in the house of the Lord today, and welcome to those who are watching online today. No better place I'd rather be. I understand some people are sick, and at the advice of their doctors, they're rightfully staying home, but for the rest of us, I'm telling you, because We've had it both ways, right? Church in the house is better than church on the sofa. Amen. Church in the Lord's house is better than church on the sofa. Take your copy of God's Word. We come to the conclusion of a journey today as we go through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We come to the end of chapter 5 today. Uh, the, the ending verses were too much to preach in one week last week. I'd still be here preaching it, so we divided that into two parts this morning. Practical principles for Christian living, part two. Now, the reality is all of the Bible is practical. This is not some ancient history book, although it contains history. It's not some old archaeological book, although it's always archaeological accurate. At times, it's been scoffed and made fun of by the skeptics and say, well, that place doesn't even exist. Well, you just wait long enough, and they've uncovered some of the cities that the skeptics said did not exist. All of the scripture is practical, but these verses we're going to look at today and last week are so extremely practical to help all of us live the Christian life that God wants us to be. I'm so thankful that the Bible is absolute truth. Although written over 2,000 years ago, it still applies to our lives today. And if you have not been with us or by way of review, I had a pastor who used to say all the time, repetition is the mother of learning. If you keep hearing it, maybe we will remember it. And I remember him saying that over and over to me. This, the church at Thessalonica was planted by the Apostle Paul, a major seaport city, a major melting pot with cultures from all over the world, kind of like New York City in our country. What a strategic place to plant a church because when you reach people from different cultures, much like the ministry these boxes are going to outside of Boston, Massachusetts, refugees there from all over the world, and because of your faithfulness to give and make this possible, that church there by the name of Pleasant Street Baptist Church, supported by our North American Mission Board, or some of our own people there, will be able to share the gospel, and perhaps the gospel will spread back to some of these countries where they come from. That was the setting for the church at Thessalonica. They were baby Christians. They were still learning. They'd not been saved long, so Paul's giving them some practical instructions, and it's so practical, and because he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not only was it practical for them, but it's practical for you and I, even today. Last week, we looked in uh, chapter 4, and really, in fact, of every chapter of 1 Thessalonians, he has reminded us Jesus is coming again. Every chapter of this book, so we've kind of titled this whole series, People Get Ready. We better get ready. Jesus is coming again. Will it be in our lifetime? I think it may be, uh, but if it's not, we are to live every day in readiness. The scripture says in the old King James Version, be you therefore also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. So we see the signs of the times unfold in our lifetime unlike ever before but even in their lifetime Paul said you better be ready because this is going to happen one day Paul didn't know when it when it was going to be in fact Jesus doesn't even know the Bible says only the father knows when this event is going to recur so we're to live every day in readiness be ready for his return if you have your copy of scripture turn to first Thessalonians 5 and if you're physically able let's stand and give honor 
in reverence to the reading of God's Word as we wrap up 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. We'll go ahead and mention to you today, we've not said much about it, but two weeks from today, uh, the Sunday after Easter, dear friend of mine, Mike Lefevre and the Lefevre Quartet will be here doing a concert for us on Sunday morning. We're so excited about having them here. Listen, you see some of these people on television, and you hear their music on the radio, and you think, are they the real deal? I'm telling you, Mike Lefevre is the real deal. His wife is my wife's hairdresser down in Oakwood where we live so invite some people you got people that ain't gonna come to church and hear the preacher but they'll come to hear a gospel concert that's two weeks from today first Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19 do not stifle the Holy Spirit do not scoff at prophecies but test everything that is said hold on to what's good stay away from every kind of evil Lord Jesus, we pray that your Holy Spirit and your inspired word will be our teacher today. Speak to my heart, speak to the heart of the folks here and those that are watching and those that will download and watch later on. God, we thank you for the supernatural inspiration of your word. I pray that it will penetrate our hearts right where we need to be touched today. God, I pray you'll speak to my heart and help me to make adjustments that will make me more like Jesus. And Lord, for anyone under the sound of my voice that may be unsure of their relationship with you, we pray that today is the day of their salvation. They'd make the most important decision anybody could ever make. And we'll just thank you and praise you in advance, believing, God, believing that your word will not return void, and you're going to do something amazing in the hearts of people today. In your name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. On the back of your worship guide, there's a copy of the outline to follow along. If you're watching from home or your car or somewhere else, that'll be on the screen there. Number one, write this down. God warns us not to stifle his Holy Spirit. God warns us not to stifle his Holy Spirit. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. He says, what does that mean? To pour a wet blanket over it or to, to pour water over the fires of what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. There was an old song, I think back in like the 80s by New Song, that talked about the cold water committee. And do you remember that song? It says, you just got saved. Oh, I didn't write this down. I hope I can remember it. You just got saved, born again, and you're so filled with the love of him. Your heart's on fire and you'll never tire of sharing his love. And then along comes a cold water committee, dousing the flames of your heart, saying, uh-uh, no, no, listen, son, you're getting off to a terrible start. People are going to call you fanatic, and they'll think that we're one too. You see, that's what the cold water committee is self-appointed to do. It was always visible for me, Pastor Andrew, coming back from a youth trip. We'd always inevitably had young people saved, young people called to ministry. And it's like the devil had the cold water committee in the parking lot waiting on them to pour cold water. Listen, if the fire of the Holy Spirit is genuinely alive in your heart we're to pour gasoline on that fire and we get that gasoline from the word of God never stifle the Holy Spirit of God he was writing to people who really they wouldn't even understand us today these people gave up their livelihoods and many times their lives to follow Jesus it cost them relationships with their family and they would look at the church in America who doesn't even want to be inconvenienced the least little bit we get our feelings hurt we just pick up our marbles and we go play somewhere else they wouldn't even understand us today because they were willing to lay their lives down and if the Apostle Paul warned them not to stifle the Holy Spirit what in the world would he say to us today well he'd say don't stifle the Holy Spirit because it was divinely inspired letter A on your outline write this down how do we do that what are some of the ways we do that by rejecting the gift of salvation 
There's no greater way to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The only unpardonable sin is to grieve the Holy Spirit of God by rejecting his offer of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 1 says this, As God's partners, we beg you. That's, that's what we do, pastors and life group leaders and Christians, as you talk to your friends. We're begging you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's, God's kindness and then ignore it. Verse 2, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If there's never been a time of genuine faith and repentance in your heart and your life, today is the day of salvation. We're a part of two different funerals last week, another funeral of a loved one in our church's family. They happen every single day. You check with the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, who've gotten a lot of things wrong, by the way, but one thing they got right, the mortality rate is still 100%. If the Lord doesn't come back in our lifetime. All of us have an appointment with death. We're to live every day like it could happen today. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, when should you get saved? Today. Today is the day of salvation. I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised one more heartbeat. And in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, Peter says, dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. Because I know skeptics are going to wait a minute. Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago. Get ready. Jesus can come back anytime. And he hadn't come back yet. People have been saying that forever and forever. One day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord doesn't delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he's patient with you, not wanting any to perish. Take that, Calvin. It's not wanting that any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We don't know when that's going to happen. God doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. How do you know that? Because he gave up the life of his only begotten son on an old rugged cross. And he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you can be saved whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved if you're watching today and you don't know jesus as the lord and savior of your life it's a demonstration of god's patience he's giving you one more opportunity to realize that today is the day of salvation the greatest way we stifle the holy spirit is to stiff arm god and say i don't need that religion stuff i don't need that jesus stuff number two what's the second way by allowing unconfessed sin in our hearts. By allowing unconfessed sin to just live and fester and take root in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. You could say, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's talking to Christians. He's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. That's one of the tenses of salvation. The past tense of my salvation is I was justified on a Monday night as a 15-year-old high school freshman, when I bowed my knee and I made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, I was instantly justified, declared just as if I'd never sinned. I'm still living in the present tense of my salvation, being sanctified. Sanctified means to be set apart and to be holy. As long as you're alive on planet Earth, we're to be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. That's the present tense of your salvation. But this verse is talking about the future tense of your salvation, when you will be glorified. When I'm I'm not over here worshiping and get so fired up, I've got to pull out an asthma inhaler. I ain't going to need that anymore like I did today. We're not going to need these glasses, whatever ailment you have. It's not, COVID is not going to be a thing in heaven. Funeral homes will not be a thing in heaven. That is the future tense of our salvation. He, but he says, don't, don't neglect that. Don't refuse that. Don't allow unconfessed sin to fester in your heart. And I know how the devil operates. At least he does on me, and I believe he does on you too, on many of us probably. Those of us who don't have a stellar past shall we say 
Sometimes the devil will say, who do you think you are preaching? All them people you went to high school knew what a drunk you were. All those people know, man, you come from generations of divorce, generations of, who do you think you are? He's not talking about stuff that's already been right. When I made Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life, I was justified and declared just as if I've never sinned. He's talking about any unconfessed sin in our heart, something that you know is going on in your life and you've not already sought forgiveness of the Lord. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins, past, present, and future. But if I allow unconfessed sin in my heart, if I allow relationships with my brothers and sisters in Jesus to not be right, that can stifle the Holy Spirit of God. Let her see right this down. The third way we grieve the Holy Spirit or stifle the Holy Spirit by refusing to serve God. By refusing to serve God. Look at Acts 17, verse 24. Paul said, My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That was God's call on his life. That's God's call on my life. What's God's call on your life? Now, the, the message of sharing the gospel, the Great Commission, is for all Christians, not just preachers, not just those who are called to vocational Christian service. But for some of you, it's to use your gifts and talents and abilities up here in this pit. If you can play an instrument, if you can sing on the praise team, if you can sing in our choir, God's given you that gift for a reason. And I'm telling you, if you don't use it, that is a way of stifling the Holy Spirit of God. You didn't earn that. I mean, God just gave that to you. Some of you were born able to sing, and some of us probably can't never sing. My friend Jeff Cleghorn, who preached his own father's funeral, the Cleghorns are a musical family. They've traveled all over singing gospel music for several generations. And Jeff said at his daddy's funeral, he said, we're musical. My dad was an athlete. Uh, we're not athletic. We sang. My daddy supported us in all of that. And he couldn't sing a lick, didn't know anything about music. And Jeff said, several people said, but you know what, Jeff, now that your daddy's in heaven, I bet he's up there singing in the heavenly choir. And Jeff said, well, you know what, God's a God of miracles, but I doubt my daddy can still sing in the heavenly choir. Well, he's just, of course, cutting up about that. If God's given you a gift, if you've got a heart for babies, now we don't have a lot of babies around here right now, but we got one on the way in our family, a grandchild. If God's given you that heart to rock and love babies and you're not high risk for COVID or anything, you ought to come and see somebody say, how can I help? If you Listen, if you've got a heartbeat and you can shake a hand, you ought to serve on our first impressions team. You have a heart for other people. It's, I say it's one of the most important ministries of this church is our first impressions team. You know why? Because you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. God's gifted you some of that with the gift of gab to love people and welcome people. Whatever giftedness God has given you, if you're just sitting in a pew and you're not using your gifts and abilities, God can take those away, and it's a way of stifling the Holy Spirit of God. Let her you know what else will do that? When you refuse to forgive other people. We talked about unconfessed sin in our own heart, but letter D, Ephesians 4.32, this was, I still remember to this day, over 32 years later, part of our premarital counseling with Pastor Bill Ricketts. He talked to us about this verse, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Why in the world did Bill Ricketts talk to us about that in premarital counseling? Because one sinner plus one sinner is double trouble. Because married folks, you think you know somebody until you marry them and live with them, and you find out we're not as similar as we thought we were. We have different things that rub us the wrong way. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So listen, if Jesus will forgive all of our sins, who are we to withhold forgiveness from somebody else? It grieves and stifles the Holy Spirit of God when you refuse to forgive. Because he knows all of it. The secret stuff that nobody else knows. The, the messed up relationships that maybe only you and that person know about. If God can forgive the worst of sins in my life, he can forgive the sins of anybody else. Now you say, well, they've not, they've not asked me for forgiveness. They've not apologized. They've not made that right. We have to have a spirit of forgiveness. There has to be a willingness to forgive. Because you know what bitterness is, right? Refusal to forgive is bitterness. And bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. They're probably going on about their life and have no idea you're angry and bitter at them. But when you refuse to forgive, even if they never come to you and make it right and ask for forgiveness, you better have a, a spirit of forgiveness and not harbor that because Hebrews talks about a root of bitterness that can take root in your heart and that will destroy you and not the other person. Well, that's some, some practical things about stifling the Holy Spirit of God. Number two on your outline, write this down. God wants us to respect and test everything by his word. God wants us to respect and test everything by his word. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 20. Do not scoff at prophecies, one translation says. The message, which is a paraphrase, not a translation, sometimes they get it right, sometimes I, I think they're off, but I think the message paraphrase of this verse is pretty good. It says, don't stifle those who have a word from the master. Now, the word prophecy can have two different meanings in Scripture. It can mean forth-telling, where you're predicting things that are to happen yet to come, some of the messianic prophecies that have been fulfilled. But in our culture today, I think it's more of a foretelling, a declaring of the gospel, a preaching of the gospel. So that's why he says don't stifle those who have a word from the master. God expects us to respect the accurate, listen, the accurate preaching and teaching of God's word. I don't even remember who it was this week. Somebody asked me about a one of the biggest televangelists out there who preaches in a big old stadium in Texas and who has that Colgate smile, you know what I'm talking about, and sells all those books. I don't watch him, so I don't know other than what people tell me. But they said, Mike, you know what bothers me about him? He never has a Bible. He never has his Bible. He may mention it every now and then. Listen, we ought to respect the accurate preaching and teaching of the Word of God. You don't believe it because I told you. You better say, take what I tell you and see, does it line up with this? And if what I tell you doesn't line up with this, you chunk me and you stick with the book. Amen? Because the Word of God will never, ever go wrong. He says, don't scoff at prophecies. You know, God expects us to respect that. I remember when we built our, our new building of our church in one Robins went from a, a small packed out building where if you had to get up and go get a drink of water, you had to climb over people to get there. Then we moved into a, quite honestly, a much too large building. We weren't there yet, a giant building, 2,200-seat auditorium with cascade seats. And all of a sudden, people are getting up, going to get a drink of water, just walking around like they're at a football game somewhere, that different atmosphere of that big building. Listen, you know that kind of mess can stifle the Holy Spirit of God. You're really scoffing the preaching of God's Word as if it's not a big deal. When we, now, you know, when I was younger, it was writing notes and tucking them up and passing them down the road. Any of y'all remember that? You had to tuck it a certain way or put it in a girl's locker at school. Y'all didn't do that? Am I the only one that did that? Anyway, okay, that's just my sins, I guess. But now we don't necessarily pass notes. We text. We do stuff like that, or we just get up and leave. We break our necks sometimes, be the first one out of here, as if, as if the restaurant, as if Rabbit Town's going to run out of chicken. They're not going to run out of chicken. Now, understand in this atmosphere of COVID, for some of you, it is wise for you to go out first so that you're not around other people if you're high risk. I get that. But if all you're doing is rushing to beat everybody else, you know that can stifle the Holy Spirit of God? 
You don't have somebody sitting near you. The Spirit of God's dealing about salvation, and you just jump up and make a scene and get out of here and go out the door. You know that can distract somebody from listening to the Holy Spirit of God when you do that? Do you, do, do you know anything like that? I remember being at First Baptist Jacksonville, one of the greatest churches in our convention back in the day at least, and y'all have been to those conferences before. I'm at one of their pastor's conferences, and I chose to go to a youth service that morning, and I'm sitting right by myself sitting behind this kid who just talked and cut up the whole dadgum service. I didn't hear anything the preacher was saying, and the youth pastor in me just wanted to thump him upside the head, and I ignored that for long enough, and I thought, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a Christian. I am a man who's been born again, and finally said, son, you got to stop that. You're distracting people all around you. He looked at me like I had three heads, but you know what? He shut his mouth, and he stopped distracting people. You know what that is? That's discipleship, I think. That's part of discipleship. Not everybody who comes to church is a Christian, right? We want lost people to come to church. Not everybody who comes to church is very mature in their faith. So God puts us in the family of God to help encourage other people. Not just confess, my heart might not have been right when I got on that boy that day, but I hope he learned a lesson from that that a stranger from another state will come in and tell me to hush. And I think my wife's done it since we've been here at this church, had to get up and go speak to kids. In love. That's what we do. Because why? God wants us to respect, not the preacher, but the preaching of God's word. We're helping people grow in their relationship with the Lord. I don't want to get to heaven and God just, I don't know what it's going to be. Is it going to be a screen or God's just going to write? I don't know how God's going to do this. You know, when he gives out the rewards for all, and when he stands in judgment of all the things we've done, good or bad. And God said, you know, Mike, there was a lost guy at your church when you were a young man. The preacher was preaching, and you were there flirting with that little blonde-headed girl from Jacksonville. And because you did that, that person's in hell today. I don't know how God's going to do that, but I tell you what, I don't want that on my hands. I don't want that on my conscience. I don't want to do that. Don't scoff at prophecies not yet fulfilled. I mentioned earlier the Bible is not specifically an archaeology book, but it is archaeologically, archaeology, can I say whatever that word is, with an L-Y at the end, archaeologically correct. Y'all know what I'm trying to say, right? I'm from Cordell. Give me a break, all right? And I said, people have scoffed at that over the years when the Bible mentions a city, and they said, there ain't no such city as that. There's never any evidence of that. But you know what? Over thousands of years of time, those cities have been unearthed. If it's in the Bible, you can take it to the bank. Do you really believe that God created a giant fish to swallow a man to get his attention and vomit him out on dry land? I believe it because God said it. And if God said it, that ought to settle it right there. Don't scoff at prophecies not yet fulfilled. Remember, there's foretelling, preaching the gospel, and there's foretelling as well. And also the message paraphrase of this verse says, on the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. So many denominations out there. I coined a new phrase last night. We were driving back from Atlanta. They had a shower for my daughter-in-law and my sister-in-law from Florida said, what's that church over there? I said, that's one of them chain churches. And she died laughing. I said, that's not what I mean. I mean, they have satellites, but so she thought that was the greatest word ever. There's so many churches out there with different labels on them, Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist, Methodist, Liberal Southern Baptist, all, all kinds of, how do you know what's right? How do you know what to believe? This book right here, not because a denomination said it, because of this book said it right here. And by the way, I'm not too happy about some of the stuff our own denomination has put out in recent days. That's why I plan to be in Nashville this year and to vote and make, make my voice and your voice heard there at the convention. You do what the Word of God says, not because a preacher or a denomination says it. This is our absolute standard. This is true for all people, for all places, and for all times. I say this over and over, written over a period of 1,400, 1,500 years by 
40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages, and yet it all comes together perfectly. The scarlet thread of redemption pointing to the cross is in every book of the Bible. Over 2,500 prophecies are on the pages of Scripture, and over 2,000 of those have already been fulfilled. Did you know that? In just the, the birth, the life, the death of the Lord Jesus, 100 Old Testament messianic prophecies about Jesus have been specifically fulfilled already. Now, we grew up, if you've been in church any length of time, we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We had a little plays here, and, you know, the baby Jesus on the straw that kids will punch, and, you know, you laugh, and it's cute. We know that. But do you know when that prophecy was foretold? It'd be like talking to somebody in China saying the Messiah of the world is going to be born in Lula, Georgia. They'd say, where in the heck is Lula, Georgia? A small, insignificant city compared to the, it's not insignificant to many of our people, like my son and daughter-in-law who live there, but to other people. That's how insignificant Bethlehem was. Now, you know, we talk about Jesus of Nazareth. God used a census to get them back there so Jesus could be born where Scripture said. Scripture said he had to be born of a virgin. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? That is biologically impossible. Not one biology professor will tell you that is possible. Well, it's impossible until the Holy Ghost of God gets involved, and then it's absolutely possible. When Isaiah 7, 14 says he had to be born of a virgin, behold, a virgin will, get, will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Every messianic prophecy came true in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but some of them hadn't come true yet, right? We talk about the eschatological. That just means the end-time prophecies. If God kept all those and his track record is 100%, don't you know if he says Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again. Don't you know when he says these are the warning signs, when you see these things start to happen, you better get ready. Don't you know those prophecies are going to come true too? So we measure everything by the word of God. And speaking of the resurrection, once again, that is biologically impossible. Now, Jesus is not the only person who rose from the dead, right? You can read in Scripture um, about Lazarus and a couple others, but Jesus is the only person who resurrected his own self by his own power and ability to get up and walk out of that tomb that had been sealed. The most documented fact in all of human history, even outside of Scripture, Jewish literature records that. God's track record is 100%. If he says, people, get ready, Jesus is coming, you bet your sweet bippy, Jesus is coming again, and we better live in awareness of that. Number three, write this down. God God reminds us to live in readiness of Jesus' return. Got a little bit ahead of myself. God reminds us to live in readiness of Jesus' return. Look at verse number 22. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy. That word means to be set apart in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Reckon why he said whole spirit and soul and body. Because outwardly we can look like everything's okay. But if there's bitterness in our heart, if there's sin in our heart, everything is not okay. He says, your whole being, your spirit, soul, and body better be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. The old King James says we are to abstain from all appearance of evil. What, is, what does that mean? Not just those things that are obviously blatantly sinful, thou shalt not. But he says even the appearance of evil. We, sh we should stay away from that. What does that mean? Let me ask you this question. If you see me, if you see your pastor or one of our pastors, and you're out, you know, in Buford, I think there's one at the Mall of Georgia. I just know because I've driven by, not because I've been there. If you saw one of us going into that restaurant and say, we're just going in to get wings at a restaurant called Hooters, would that bother you? If you saw Pastor Mike or one of us doing that, would that bother you? 
Now, what if we just like their wings? I've never had them. I have no idea. But I'm just giving you an argument other Christians have given me. I think that's the appearance of evil right there if you do it. If you see me out to lunch with a beautiful woman that is not my wife, my daughter, my daughter-in-law, or my mama, is that going to look good or not? What are you going to think about the pastor then if I'm out with somebody I'm not married to? Is that the appearance of evil? That's the appearance of evil at that point. You say, preacher, you're being legalistic. Am I being legalistic or am I applying what the scriptures say right there? If that's the appearance of evil for the preacher, how about you? If that's the appearance of evil for the preacher, I think it's the appearance of evil for all Christians. And you can call that legalism if you want to, but I'd rather be absolutely sure because I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody else and give the devil any accusation to hurl at me. Five, chapter 5, verse 22, stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until, until our Lord Jesus comes again. Jesus is coming soon, morning, night, or noon. I don't know when it's going to be, but we are to live in readiness. We're to live in anticipation of that. Just as all those other prophecies came true, this one is coming true. By way of review, I think we looked at this last week. Flip back to chapter four and verse 16 for the lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of god first the christians who have died will rise from their graves i was able to encourage the family of brother ted arnold who we celebrated his life on friday over in noonan he'll be buried tomorrow at a military cemetery there in canton brother ted is one of these who knew jesus first the christians who've died will rise from their graves then together with them we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up snatched away raptured if you will to meet the lord in the air then we will be with the lord forever and he says you ought to preach that to scare the snot out of people is that what it said you ought to preach that to get people down the aisle that's not what it says he says encourage each other with these words for the child of god that's not frightening for the child of god that is encouraging that jesus is coming again all the troubles and heartaches and the mess on this world i've told y'all i've had the news the television news off since wednesday after the election i just don't need to listen to all of that i pray people get it right i pray they do what they're supposed to do but jesus is going to still be lord and jesus is coming again and i don't need to get caught up in all of that now listen i'm not saying you we ignore world events we're aware of it. We pray. We vote. We do what we're supposed to do. But ain't a whole lot I can do but just trust the Lord and realize maybe we're taking a gigantic prophetic leap in the prophetic calendar that Jesus is coming soon. In light of the fact that Jesus is coming soon, number four, quickly write this down. God expects us to pray for and share his gospel with other people. God expects us to pray for and share his gospel with other people. Verse 25, dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. We pray for one another. We pray for God to prepare the hearts of lost people. When they hear the gospel, whether it's from you or somebody else, they receive the gospel. It'll take root in their heart. We pray for one another to be bold enough to share the gospel. Because you may be the only Jesus some folks ever see. They might not come to this church to hear me preach or to hear the Lefebvre Quartet, either one. But God puts you in their path. God puts you in their classroom. God puts you in the cubicle beside them. We're to pray for God to prepare their hearts. And we're to pray that our hearts are open and obedient to share the good news of his gospel. God wants us to demonstrate his love to others. 1 Thessalonians 5, 25, he says, greet all the brothers and sisters. Pray for us. Well, I like that translation in this culture, quite frankly, a little bit better than the old King James that said, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Brothers, 
I'm not interested in that, all right? We'll just do a fist bump or something. But culturally at that time, that was okay. I laughed because I remember years ago, I went to Brazil right by myself. Nobody went with me. I was supposed to go preach a pastor's conference, and I got vertigo. You know about that, don't you, Lindsay? I got vertigo at the last minute. I prepared all my messages. I was ready to go. And my doctor said, if you go, Mike, you'll be a burden on those people. So I believe you know Jimmy Moneypenny uh, from Warner Robins. I had to give all my messages to Brother Jimmy. I didn't get to go. But I got to go back later, right by myself, and do a week of revival meetings there. And I got to be with all the people. You know, when you go on a foreign mission trip, the longer you're there, the more you assimilate into the culture. All the ladies there give you a kiss on the cheek. So I just, I mean, every lady gave me a kiss on the cheek, so I did. And then I get back to my church, and the first little lady I greeted, I gave her a kiss, and I nearly had a stroke. Thank God she was older, and it didn't bother her, but I had to reacclimate myself back to America. We don't necessarily do that. John chapter 13 and verse 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Putting the outline of a fish on your car don't prove you're a disciple. Wearing a Christian t-shirt doesn't prove you're a disciple. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But he says your love for one another. And hey, if I can just brag on this church, this church does that as good as any church on the planet I know. This is a loving church that proves to one another that you are my disciples. And even when I say that, I'm fearful we'll let our guard down. I'm fearful we'll start believing our own press that we are, because we are, but we can never take that for granted. We always work on that. When whoever walks through these doors, you don't know what they've been through in the last week. They might have buried a loved one last week. They may be lost as a ball in high weeds, and they're desperate. This is their last hope to come to this church. And if we don't show them love and welcome them, they may not ever hear the gospel. It's your love for one another. God wants us to share his love and his grace with other people. Look at verse 27. He says, I command you in the name of the Lord, read this letter to all the brothers and sisters, and then may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. I don't do anything to earn it. It's just a free gift, and I receive it. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we've read every verse of this book together in the last number of weeks or months, however long it's been, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And when you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you, you can't help but share that with other people and I believe I read this verse earlier I'm gonna read it one more time Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 Paul says but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God if you've been set free if you've been born again if you can sing that great song amazing grace my chains are gone I've been set free if we can sing that we're surrounded by people outside off this hill every single day. They can't say that and sing that. Why? Because they're living in the chains of sin, just like we were apart from Jesus and just like we would be today apart from Jesus. Our chains are gone. And if you've experienced that, you just want other people to experience that. You can pray for the preachers and the staff to tell them, but I'm telling you, they're going to listen to you before they will us. Sometimes, I don't know why, because we're just old, normal, not-headed guys. Sometimes people are intimidated by the title of pastor, but they'll listen to you more than they will us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and may you share that with other people. So we must invest in the lives of other people. You need to love on that neighbor. If somebody gets COVID, you go over and love on them the way this church loved on each other as different people have had COVID. If something happens in their, their family, there's a crisis or going out of town, maybe you say, hey, can I feed your dog while you're gone. 
I'll feed a dog, but for a cat, I got to cast out demons out of a cat first. I'm just kidding. I'll let somebody else do that. You know, if you know there's a need, show them the love of God. You invest in their lives. The other letter I, you invite them to church. You invite them to come or to listen online or to come to this upcoming concert. You invest, you invite, and ultimately, you introduce them. You introduce them to Jesus. Listen, if your favorite athlete walked in the door today, Guy sent me a picture from online yesterday of himself. He looked just like Daryl Strawberry. He said, everywhere I go, people, and I said, you do look just like Daryl Strawberry. If a celebrity came in here and you kind of knew them, I'm trying to think, who's anybody famous I know? If, if, if uh, former Governor Purdue, Secretary of Agriculture, came in, I want to introduce you to Brother Sonny. He said, this is my friend, Brother Sonny. Brother Sonny loves Jesus, but he didn't die for your sins. Brother Sonny can tell you how to go to heaven, and he does tell people how to go to heaven, but he, he, he's not the sacrifice for your sins. If we'll tell people who we know, Mike LeFevre is my friend, Karen Peck is my friend, I'm blessed to know some of these people that are on a, on a worldwide stage, but they didn't die for my sins. If I will introduce you to a famous friend, why in the world will we not introduce other people to Jesus? The most important introduction you can give is to tell somebody about Jesus. Look at your conclusion, number one. Is there anything anything at all in your life that might be stifling God's Holy Spirit. I just gave you a few examples earlier. Any number of things could stifle God's Holy Spirit in your life. And listen, if I let the Holy Spirit of God be stifled in my own life, that's not just Mike. That affects people around me, my family, my church family. If you allow the Spirit of God to stifle things in your life, yes, that's going to affect you. But what about those around you that God has called you to be salt and light to? Number two, do you examine everything by the standard of God's Word? Do you examine everything by the standard of God's Word? Not by Nashville, where our Lifeway Southern Baptist press is. By the way, they put out a bunch of garbage too. I've said lately, for, for the last 10 or 20 years, the most dangerous place to go is in a Christian bookstore. Not that there's many of them left anymore. Some of them needed to shut down. Because you think you ought to be able to trust what's in a Christian bookstore. You cannot trust everything in a Christian bookstore. For the last 20 years, they became more and more filled with psychobabble, feel-good stuff. Let's just, we need, this is where we need to go. Okay to read commentaries and other things as long as they jive with the Word of God. We measure everything. We measure the preachers we hear on TV. We measure the churches that we go. We measure the candidates who run for office that we have to pray through and vote for. And every one of them's a sinner. Every one of them is faulty. Nobody's perfect. We've got to vote for the people that most align with the Word of God. Number three, who do you need to share God's love and gospel with this week? Who do you need to share God's love and gospel with this week? Because today is the day of salvation. I don't know that I'll be back next Sunday. One of these guys may be preaching next Sunday if God sees fit to call me home. I pray not because i got a grandson to spoil and teach about Georgia football. But if the Lord calls me home, I'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. I don't know when that's going to happen. So not only is today the day of salvation, but when the Spirit of God speaks to your heart about witnessing to somebody, that's today because you might not ever pass that way again. God may never put them in your path again. And what is the gospel? We talk about sharing the gospel. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus for my sins, for your sins, for the sins of the world. Is it good to invite people to church? Yes, please do. Please invite people to church. It's good to do that. Is it good to be a good neighbor and love people? We've already said they know we're Christians by our love. But the gospel is the only thing that will save anybody. A chicken casserole ain't going to save them. It'll show them that you love them. But it's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And then number four, if this isn't right, you ain't going to share the gospel probably. Are you sure that you are ready to rapture? Are you certain that you're ready to rapture? We should always be ready, but I just got to tell you, in my lifetime, I've never felt the sense of urgency like I do right now. 
in my lifetime, I remember when I first got saved, you know, and I'm, when you first get saved, I mean, I'd read the Bible before, but no Holy Spirit to help me apply it and understand it. When I first got saved, then I started telling my mama, I ain't, I'm not going to college. She looked at me like, have you lost your mind? I said, Mama, the Lord's come back. I don't need to do that. She said, well, he might, but you're to prepare your life and live your life. So I went to college, and here I am all those years later. I don't know when it's going to be, but I do feel a greater sense of urgency today than I did as a brand-new Christian. I feel a greater sense of urgency. And if we really believe that, ladies and gentlemen, we can't live like the rest of folks live. We're to be different. We're to be a shining city on a hill, and God strategically placed us on a hill. We're to live our lives in such a way that they see our good works, talk about what a loving church we are, but most of all, that verse doesn't stop there, and glorify our Father who's in heaven. You can't glorify him if you don't know him. Today is the day of salvation. Do you know him? Are you sure for heaven as he's already been there 10,000 years? Has God spoken into your heart to share the gospel with somebody else, and you keep putting it off? Let's get busy. And let's realize and let's live like he could come back today. People, get ready. Let's pray together. Lord, how I love your word. I think about that old hymn right now, wonderful words of life. Sing it over again to me, wonderful words of life. God, I love when I get a sweet note from my kids. Lord, I nearly cried when I read that sweet birthday card from my mama recently, how it touched my heart. But God, there's nothing like your word. There's nothing else that is supernatural like your word. Give us a hunger and an appetite to realize we're not going to have the best day we could be, we could possibly have. We're not going to live life to the fullest. We're not going to be able to experience that abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10.10 if we're not reading your word every day, going to your divine instruction book. Lord, we already known as the most loving church around. God, I pray, would be known as the most Bible-centered church around. I pray would be known as the most gospel-obedient church in this area. Lord, move us out of our pews and off this hill to impact our community and our world with the good news of the gospel. Lord, I'm so thankful for, that almost every one of these little boxes for Boston has been taken by a loving church member of this church. God, more than that, I pray these boxes will be used to point children and families from around the world to Jesus. God, affirm, bless the people that are doing that. But God, at the same time, show us you're bringing the world to Hall County. We have people here from different tribes and nations, different ethnicities, different languages. Lord, help us to open our eyes and realize the fields are white under harvest right here in beautiful Northeast Georgia. So may we be obedient, Lord, because you're worthy. You're worthy. We ought to tell people because they need to experience what we have. But ultimately, it's about your glory. The greatest way I can bring you glory is to point somebody else to you. So, God, I pray right now for the soul that's unsure of their relationship with you. They've never been saved. Maybe they've been baptized, been through the waters of baptism. There's no peace in their heart about their salvation. God, show them all they did is get wet. Somebody just may need to flat out get saved today or somebody watching online message us that they did that. Or maybe there's somebody that has professed you as Lord of their life, and they're absolutely certain of that, but they've never taken that next step of obedience to follow you in the waters of baptism, to just declare they're not ashamed of you. God, whether it's here locally or somebody watching online, give them the boldness to go here or to their local church, wherever they're watching, and say, I need to be baptized. I need to let people know I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Lord, for maybe there's 
a person or somebody that's been visiting our church, and they've been praying, they've been seeking your will. It's a big deal, the church that we join. It's a big deal, the church that we decide to lock arms and serve you with. Lord, if there are those that have been seeking your Holy Spirit and your will for their life, and if you've shown them that that would be airline, God, I pray they'd let that be known today. And this loving church family will, will hypothetically, virtually wrap our arms of love around them in this social distancing time we live in. We'll love them and serve you together. Burden our hearts for the lost. Or some folks just maybe want to come to this altar and pray for a lost coworker or a family member. God, it is fitting because our nation is still in turmoil. As I looked at news online this morning, attacks of terrorists, even last night. Lord, this stuff just goes on with no stop, no police intervention. God, let that stuff be a reminder that the only thing that's going to matter a thousand years from today is do you have a relationship with Jesus? Lord, maybe some of us want to come and pray that you'll bring healing to our country. And Lord, we know there's no healing apart from your word. We, we can't rally around cho uh, choices and decisions that don't jive with your word. So, God, we beg you to send a great awakening like you've done before in this nation. We beg you to send a genuine, heaven-sent, Holy Ghost revival that'll sweep from coast to coast, and you turn our hearts to heaven. And God, you may see fit to do that one more time before Jesus comes again. So, Lord, hear our prayers as we pray. For those who just need to stop praying and haul off and obey, help them to do that right now as we turn our eyes upon you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Everything's okay between you and the Lord? You stand up and sing along this very, very familiar song. If you want to come and pray privately, you come and pray privately, social distancing. If you say, I need somebody to pray with me, Pastor Chase is here. we got other people who love to talk with you, pray with you. We'll step out and pray with you if we need to. Whatever you need, Jesus is. Look at me. I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. I know where to take you to find them. And together, we can search out the Word of God and find them. Whatever you need, Jesus is. Let's respond right now. Let's sing it together. Ready? Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for that. People, get ready. Amen? It's a good word, and we need to be sharing that. That's a, I've always said Airline Baptist Church is a church that rises to a challenge, and I'm just standing there thinking, you know what? We got what, about 100? How many we got in here, Stephen? I can't hear you. 116. 116 
people in here, Christians, sold out. Amen? Listen, yeah, Alma, thank you. Let's do this. Let me, let me challenge y'all this week. Okay, 116 of us. Let, let us commit, before we leave this house today, share the gospel with one person this week. Can we do that? One person. Everybody in here. It doesn't have to be some big, long, elaborate thing. It can be something as simple as, hey, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Amen. Something as simple as that. And sometimes that's all people need to hear. Amen. So commit to do that. And I need you to commit to do something else. How many, is it what we got? Three, three boxes down here? Look, do not lock the door, Becky. Now, <laughs> nobody get out of here. We got to get all four of these boxes, okay? We got four more to go. We need them back in here before the 29th, all right? So you got a couple of weeks. Grab a box, put what you need to put in it. And there's the instructions are down here, little pieces of paper. And the things, pink is for girls, blues are for boys, okay? So there's four boxes down here. Grab one of those and let's get that out of the way, okay? As you leave this morning, also, uh, our tithes and offerings, don't forget that. And listen, y'all, man, y'all are, y'all are amazing. This year, during this time of uncertainty and just don't know, listen, the staff, every time we meet, it's like, wow, we got what some amazing members we've got. Uh, it's, almost, it's almost scary, people, that y'all are faithful to tithe whether we made or not. That's a blessing, but it's, <laughs> at the same time as a, as, a, as a pastor, as a minister around here, it's like, wow, you know, these, these people, they, they've got that part. They'll give, amen? So I want to thank y'all. Thank y'all for your faithfulness to give and, and to allow our ministries to, to carry on. So uh, as you leave this morning, you can uh, put it somewhere back there. You can bring it. You can mail it. You go online, you see all that, you can text it to do that stuff. Real excited about what's going on Wednesday night, little by little, as we can. We're trying to start everything back midweek. So there's, all, there, there's something for everybody. There really is. We have the students meeting at 6.30 out in the Fellowship Hall. We have the children still meeting online right now on Zoom at 6 and 6.30. Children at, wait a minute, preschool at 6.00. Children at 6.30. Okay. So uh, remember that and keep that in mind. We have the uh, 20-somethings meeting at 7.45 when the students finally clear out of that building. They're having a great time out there. They're singing, worshiping, having a good old time. 20-somethings come in, and they do the same thing. And we have a, a class meeting back here of adults at uh, 6.30. We're going through the book of Colossians and having a great time. My, my friend over there, Clint, and myself are, are teaching in there. He does a very good job. I feel in, sort of, when I do. But uh, having a good time, and people are, people are coming. We're getting some more numbers. So, and we have mass, not mass, mass, not mass. So just come and be part of that, okay? One other thing real quick. I see Matt looking at his watch. It's time to go eat, ain't it, Matt? My brother, good to have you back, man. Hey, and this morning, I just got to say thank you to a few people. Did y'all see Alan playing the drums this morning? Oh, Alan. Look at him. Good job, brother. Thank you so much. And a girl singing with us this morning. Madison, are you in here somewhere? She already left. Hey, Madison. Thank you this morning. She's been working with our students. Um, 
But she, she's here and help this morning. Of course, it's good to have Matt back. And all the other ones back here who play faithfully. Wow, I love them and thankful for what they do. We're going to have choir practice today at 2. Real short, I promise. Got about two, uh, two choir songs and a couple, two or three Christmas songs we need to go over because it's coming. Okay? All right? And I'll be quiet. Y'all good? Amen. Let me pray real quick. God, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together, God. Keep us close to you and mindful of you and all that we do. Help us to be faithful and bold in our walk and our witness that, God, we lead people to you. That's, that's the only reason we're here, God. That's why we're still here. So, God, help us to be faithful to that. We love you. Look forward to the remainder of this day, this week, all you have in store. In Jesus' name, amen.